Some of you are back. Didn't run you off this morning. That's a good thing. And uh, I believe this. I believe that your steps and mine are ordered by the Lord. I believe what that indicates for us right now is that we're in uh, the right place at the right time. And God intends on imparting something that is going to make a difference in every one of our lives if we want it. I believe you came hungry for God. God moves among the hungry. I've said it here many times. Even He moves among the hungry even more than among the holy. The hungry show up. You showed up tonight. Glory to God. Now we love all those that didn't show up, but they could have been here. (laughs) But here you are. And so in the next few minutes... I want you just to dial in and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I mean, that's really what we're here for, isn't it? We're not only here to lift Him up, which we have, and glorify Him, but we're also in to tune in, here to tune in and receive. Say it out loud. I'm a receiver. I'm a receiver. And tonight's my night. Tonight's my night. I'm, receiving tonight. I'm receiving tonight. You know, we set the stage, don't we? By a choice, by a decision, by the words of our own mouth that we are in agreement with the Spirit of God as to why we're here and why He's here. He's not here only to minister to us. He's here to impart something that reveals His way of doing things. Glory to God. And doesn't it matter how long we've been walking with the Lord. I mean, I gave my life to Jesus in 1971, some of you even before that. But that's been quite a while for me. And yet here's what you find. There are aspects of the way God does what He does that just continue to be amazing to us. As if we've never seen it just that way before. That's really what revelation knowledge does. He shows us something, anything, all kinds of things. And the Bible, I believe, indicates that throughout eternity we're going to continue to have light and enlightenment as to all of the depths and the riches of the Master. And it'll continue to unwrap and unfold. But here we are tonight. So I want you to lift your hands once again before the Lord. And just pray out in the Holy Spirit, would you? Grando re barisho preto prise fre barisi. Raba rama marikesh ton blandariste fresi prese. Gofra barishon brariste brandarise fre barise. Hala froba robariste kresho parre bandarise ti. Keshon brandarifa tangare la basai. Retoshe kresiki. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for these times and these places, for this presence that you've honored us with, that you've come to enlighten us, that you've come to speak a word to us, and we just have our our ears open and our eyes, spiritual eyes, ready to see, and in our heart, we choose to embrace what you give us, and we receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Say it again, I'm a receiver. And I'm here to receive in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That just flips a switch in me, man. So 
I trust it does in you too. All right, sit down. Thanks for coming back tonight. Those of you that were here this morning, those of you that were not here this morning, you could have been. But I'm glad you've come tonight. I believe it's going to be time well spent. I want to jump right into some things that God really directed me towards for tonight. And uh, I want to read really from the Gospel of John, something that Jesus said in chapter 7. And this event in Jesus' life really happened early in His ministry or earlier. I mean, you remember the first 30 years, He did no ministry whatsoever. He's the Son of the living God and uh, God in the flesh, the Word made flesh, and yet for 30 years of His life He did no miracles and did no real teachings. He lived the life. He walked in God. He received, heard, saw, understood, grasped things that nobody else was seeing or getting, and yet He didn't really impart that to anybody. But something shifted, we've talked about this here before, something shifted at the baptism of John. When John baptized Jesus in water, Jesus came up out of that water, and the Bible says how the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, and the voice of the Father came billowing out of the sky, declaring, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Glory to God. In that one passage and, and situation, we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all participating in an obvious way, and I just think that is an amazing moment. But that launched something, didn't it? Something shifted in the Lord, where now He not only was, as He always had been, the Son of the living God, but now He is into a different mode of operation. He is now going into a scene where he is going to be demonstrating authority over the devil. He's going to be demonstrating the healing and miracle power of the Father God. He would be a perfect ex exhibition and reflection of the Father. That's what Hebrews tells us. And uh, this hadn't happened before ever. And now all of a sudden we're seeing the action that Jesus was capable of under the anointing of His Father. Now you realize this, I mean, He's God in the flesh, Jesus is. And He had a capacity as God to be able to do whatever He chose. But what He chose was to lay down His own capacity in Himself and subject Himself to the Father and to the, to the leadership and to the words of the Father and the Holy Spirit would move through Jesus to demonstrate exactly what it was like to be a son of the living God, a child of God, submitted to His Father, born of the Spirit, born free from the dominion of sin, as a sample son. He would be the first picture this planet would ever have of what was about to multiply in a huge way in the birthing of the body of Christ. Glory to God. Something was shifting and Jesus was showing exactly what dominion was to look like. And He had dominion. No question about it. We just don't have a question that He had dominion. But 
that dominion that he demonstrated was for us to be a picture of things that he intends to have go on in any person's life that knows Jesus, submits themselves to the Father, follows the leadership of the Holy Spirit, born of the Spirit of God, also free from the dominion of sin. And that describes you, my friend, and describes me. Now that's a tall order. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? That just sounds like it's off the chart. And it is. It's not casual Christianity. It's not show up and try to feel a little better about your mess. It's about having a position in a place of authority to demonstrate who God is and be, as Jesus was, a reflection of the light, the life, the glory of Almighty God. Hallelujah. That's just not casual Christianity. At least from my estimation, it's just not. And you don't hear that talked about a lot because I think it just rattles people. It just rattles people. To think that God has a point of view of actually using a person's life, any believer's life, to do amazing things. And not only just have amazing experiences, which is enough. I mean, just the knowledge that heaven is our home for eternity is more than enough. The one anything else came with that, man alive, this is the life to live. But there is so much even beyond that that is not for a later time. We don't even know what all is for the later time. When we step off into eternity, which actually we have been born already into eternity. Boy, I got a lot rolling through me here tonight. Glad you're here for it. I'm convinced that we just don't have but a very, very small glimpse of what's in store on the other side. Or whatever you want to call it. People that have had glimpses and come back to tell us about it or given us, given us a little insight as to what they experienced and saw couldn't fully describe what they experienced and saw. And many of the things that they did describe just seemed far out. <laughs> now that's a terminology that I'm familiar with, but maybe you've catched the drift at least. That was a term that really was useful for many things. It could be positive, it could be negative, it could be neither, just far out. Anyway, you don't care. But all that just to lead up to me reading something that Jesus is giving a window of understanding to people at an event that he went to. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a week-long event that many things happened, and at one stage, or more than one stage, I guess, I'm not sure how all of this played out, but uh, there would be large vessels filled with water that would be poured out and create a sort of stream or river, and they were demonstrating something that they were excited about, and 
And I know it all had deep meaning, but in the middle of that, towards the end of this great festival, Jesus stands up and he announces some things. You know, he didn't live in the shadows. He was out and up front. And in John chapter 7, verse 37, this is also the Passion Translation, reads this way, it says, Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Now that's as bold as it gets, man. He was already stirring things up, but this stirred it up even further. But this is what I want us to really focus on. In verse 38, he said, Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being just like the Scripture says. But now watch how the commentary goes in the next verse about what he just said. It says Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit, that believers were being prepared to receive. But the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them because Jesus had not yet been unveiled in His full splendor. Ooh. So what people were hearing Him say, they really wouldn't have gotten the full load of what that was really indicating, but He said it anyway. I'm convinced that that happens a lot, even now. God says things, and sometimes it just blows past us. He says it anyway. Because His words release power, pave a way, reveal possibilities. And the bits and pieces that we grab, like people would have grabbed then... Give them a sense that, oh, there is so much more to come, and I am not going to miss out on this. It doesn't do that to everybody. Some people hear this kind of stuff and say, I don't know what he's talking about. What was that? They just come with crazy questions. And while we all have questions at times, sometimes a lot of times, like all the time, we can have questions. But questions, you got to ask the right kind of questions or you don't get the right kind of answers. You'll never get the right answer by asking the wrong question. Anyway, Jesus lays this out. Rivers of living water bursting out from within you. So he was talking to them about how the Holy Spirit would function in believers. He had told them, believe in me and you'll drink what I'm talking about here. These rivers are going to be in you and going to flow through you. But how that was going to play out was not yet really happening because Jesus had not yet actually paid the price for sin. Gone through all of the suffering and all of the events that took place for that price to be paid and then be raised up from the dead where the Holy Spirit would be able to come into the earth in an entirely new manner. To not only be in the earth, but to be into the people that believed in Jesus who would become the dwelling place of God. 
Up until then, people were not actually the dwelling place. God was dwelling in places, but not in people. The new birth changed all of that. And Jesus is describing then what would happen to those who were born of the Holy Spirit, free from the dominion of sin, and that really describes you right now. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, not only to exist, but to be like a river of living or life-giving water. Praise God. And I like the terminology he uses in this translation, that flowing from your innermost being, these living waters will burst from within you. Burst. That just sounds like an explosion to me. And it really takes me back. I was just thinking about this on my way over here. And while we were worshiping, it, some memories came back to me of, of a river trip that I took. And I was with and invited to go with the Copelands and Savelles and about 25 or 30 other people. And, and we were invited to go down the Colorado River from Lake Powell at Lee's Ferry and take it all the way through the Grand Canyon until we came out in what is that, Lake, uh, you don't know, Lake Mead, right? Sounds right to me, just go with it. It was a seven-day ride. Once you start, it's not going to be easy to get off. We were on two rafts, each one, these aren't little paddle rafts, man, these are sitting up on a steel frame that carry the boxes of, of all that's going to be consumed. We're dragging everything in and anything you drag in, any of the mess you make, you got to drag back out. You can't leave anything in, in the Grand Canyon. And... Uh, Anyway, but the company was taking care of all this. We just took care of our gear, our tents, and every night we're going to be sleeping on the beaches along the side of the Colorado River on the way down. And, and uh, I won't take you through the details. It would take me all night to tell you what a blast it was. And we did have a blast. We had some spiritual times and some amazing times and some fishing. And, and uh, I told you I wasn't going to tell you, so I'm not. But, man, we had some good fishing. And... <laughs> Early on, first few days, then, it, then the river picks up. And what I started to want, to see, want you to recognize in this, and I'm just enjoying going through it actually, was that this started out quite calm. The Colorado River up by Lake Powell is really quite calm as it starts down into the canyon. And of course it's going to be fed by different streams coming in from different places, so it gets a lot bigger than it was right there at Lee's Ferry where we started. And the first couple of days were relatively calm. It was a slow drift as we went down the river, and we were able to easily stop and fish along the way um, at times in good places. The company people that gave this trip to the Copelands and anybody they invited, and thank you, Jesus, we got invited. Vicki wasn't going to go, actually, when we first got invited. That was kind of like the last thing on her list of hoping to be able to do in her life. <laughs> she ended up having such a blast that we actually went another time two years later with a similar group and, 
and uh, did it again and loved it that time too. I'm glad, glad to tell you this. I understand you don't care. But it was an amazing trip. But what I, what I remembered and relived as I was just thinking about this a few moments ago was how the river changed as we continued deeper into the canyon. And of course, the canyon walls, just amazing. The terrain is phenomenal. The little excursion hikes that we were able to take was just phenomenal and fabulous and all kinds of things. I'm not going to tell you about it, but it was really great and fabulous. Have I? <laughs> but there came a time when the, the guys on each of our rafts, the, the, the guy, company guys that are doing the driving and taking care of uh, their gear and our stuff, except our tents and sleeping bags, they wanted to tell us about what was ahead. Because while it had been calm, it wasn't going to stay calm. It would stay safe if they drove the rafts correctly. So now all of a sudden we're in prayer for the guys driving. <laughs> in a whole new dimension of things. Anyway, no, it was, it was safe enough. Of course, we're all... Uh, by law and by brain, using your brain, we've got our, our uh, vests on and hel- some guys had helmets on. <laughs> I don't know about that. We didn't have helmets on. But there were going to be some rapids that we were going to get into as we went further down. And these rapids had names. And our guides had a system of helping you know how to think about a rapid we're going into. They would scale these. They had a scale of 1 to 10 as to whether it was, you know, just a 1, not all that significant, or a 10. It's like pray to Jesus that everything is good. But the, uh, our guy that was driving our boat, he had a one to four scale. One is just hold on to the rope behind you that you're sitting on one of these deals. Hold on to the rope behind you. You know, it's going to be a little bit serious, you know, not bad. Just hold on and pay attention. And a two, I think, was uh, wrap your feet around a rope that's down at your feet. And hold on to the side row. Three was kind of pay better attention to what you're really doing to hold on. And, and don't take your eyes off of anything. Pay attention. And number four was pray to Jesus. <laughs> no, he, had, he said, hunker down, squeeze with your cheeks, <laughs> and hold on with everything you've got. <laughs> Granted, that's more information than you actually needed. But there was one particular rapid that was called Lava Falls. Lava Falls was in the Guinness Book of World Records. It is the fastest moving waters on the planet that can be navigated. So they say. I've never looked it up, so you just have to take my word for it. Or now that, don't start Googling during service. But that's what we were told. 
And it was a ride, I don't mind telling you. I think of waters bursting forth, man, it was bursting in, in every direction in Lava Falls. And, and it's not a waterfall, it's really a hydro where you're going into a rapid area that's made, you know, by the various rocks and terrain underwater. And because of the force of the water, it's going down into a rapid area. And then it is very quickly going to burst up out of that. And when you're on the raft, there is a point in time where all you see is water. And in the next breath or quicker than that, all you see is the sky. And you hope you are still attached to everything you've been holding on to with everything you've used to hold on with. It was a ride. Now, nobody fell off, but our guide did tell us. He said, well, yeah, nobody falls off, about, but about every maybe fourth trip. Oh, that's great information going in. But nobody fell off. Everybody was fine. But when I think of waters, the kind of water that he's talking about, this is not just a little stream. Nothing wrong with a little stream. There's a time for that. But the deeper we go, this is what really comes alive in me, the deeper we go into the things of the Spirit of God and into the way He does what He does, the water picks up momentum. And you have the opportunity to not only go deeper, but to go faster. We're talking about the things of the Spirit, so you've got to follow the metaphor here, where you can recognize that you have a capacity to receive now that while the capacity was there earlier, you just didn't quite have the, the knowledge to receive on levels that you can now. Growing up in God is all about gaining understanding of the way God does what He does so that we can receive on a higher level. It's not God withholding from us, but it is us buying into how He does what He does and letting His system become our system. His thoughts become our thoughts. His ways become more like our ways, or our ways become more like His, actually. So that we're receiving. You see, for Him, in looking at your life, He knows what He can do in you. He knows what He can do for you. It's no mystery to Him. But He doesn't do it without your cooperation and without your welcoming who He is and the way He does it. He will only participate with us as far as we allow. This is, this is an amazing thing. You come to realize that with the resurrection power that we're talking about, this resurrection power of Jesus, the most powerful force in the universe, it actually has no power in a person until they make a decision. When you realize that, you realize that from that angle and that understanding, God is not in control of everything. He's in complete control of his own deal. He's doing fine. 
but he's not in control of your deal. As I've used as this example many times, even recently, you drive down any highway, just about, in, especially near, I grew up in Los Angeles area, not far from LA, and there's drivers there that have what I really deem to be creative driving. And while some people think God is in control, he is not in control of that. Not the way that idiot's driving that car. If he's not in control of how a person drives their car, and he's not, then he's not in control of various things in a person's life. He doesn't control us. He influences us. And that's really what the Christian life and really any aspect of life is designed to be, not to control. If you're a control freak, you need to get rid of it. It's not a game to play. I mean, we use that terminology laughingly sometimes, but uh, it can be a very serious issue because control is not the way God functions. He functions with influence. Anyway, that's another message. It goes a different direction, but I'm not going to take it back. So when he's talking about this river of living water, there's different ways that this river is going to flow. Sometimes it's going to flow just like a gentle stream or an a early, early entry point into a great river. Spirit of God will flow gently through our life and show us things, encourage us, give us, give us input and joy and all kinds of things. There's other times... He's going to flow like lava falls, explosive. At one moment, you're looking in one thing and thinking everything's all about that, and the next moment, you're looking up and seeing totally different picture of things. God wants to take you on a ride. One of those kind of times where you kind of feel like, uh, this is cool, this is like crazy, this is like, what is going on? But I am loving this. It's like being on the edge. It's like riding a motorcycle at 120 miles an hour. Which, just so we're clear on this, I've never done. (laughs) But I do like motorcycles. Anyway, all that just to say this, that the Holy Spirit in you is like a mighty river. And I want you to let that just just saturate through you and just let Him remind you that His deposit is within you to do a variety of things, but to reveal God's way of doing things so that you can have experiences that He wants for every single believer. He wants them for you. He wants you well in your body. He wants you at peace in your mind. He wants you delivered from traumas. He wants you free to be free. He wants you to be blessed financially and delivered from whatever control freak stuff you've been involved in. Yeah, not too many amens on that. Certainly not from the control freaks. Which according to the silence could mean the whole crowd. Are you still glad you came tonight? I didn't ask you earlier. 
When the Holy Spirit came at your new birth, you know what happened. Old things were passed away. All things became new. He entered into you and sin was, the nature of sin was removed from you. Completely removed from you. What's surprising to some people is that while the nature of sin is taken out, they no longer belong to the kingdom of darkness. The devil doesn't have the hold that he had within their life. Things are broken, even destroyed. Strongholds can have, may have come down even, although strongholds are found not really in that spiritual birth or new birth. Strongholds are really in the soul, not in the spirit. So they are strongholds oftentimes that remain in a person, even though they are new in Christ, the nature of sin has been destroyed and driven out. There are still habits, mindsets, attitudes, anger issues, trauma that has remained. And while we've got people born again, they love Jesus, they're going to heaven, man, they can be kind of a handful with all of the drama that they still carry in their life. Now, I'm sure that present attendees are exempt from all of this, but you may know somebody like this. Okay, maybe one or two slipped in tonight. So there's a new nature that's been placed on the inside of us that has an amazing capacity. And I want to read some things that Peter said about this. Second Peter, the first chapter, still in the Passion Translation. And the thing about Peter's writings that I appreciate a lot is because he made it clear at one stage in, in one of the books that he wrote, he said, I am saying these things as a reminder to you. He understood that people already had heard what he was about to address, but he said, I'm going to remind you and I am always going to remind you. That is really vital information for anybody in any fashion or aspect of ministry, that people need reminders. I have reminders of my own. I, Vic and I both use lists to remind us of Various things that we need to do and get done, and we are list people. Sometimes the lists get long. Sometimes you put them on your phone or iPad or whatever, and then they remain there for days until you open it again and say, oops, oh yeah, that was on my list of things to do a couple of days ago. You're probably not like that, but I've had it happen. It's been a while, like yesterday. But he reminds us of things, and I came tonight to remind you of these things. But here's what Second Peter, beginning uh, in chapter 1 and verse 3 says. He said, Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by His divine power. Say already. You know what that means. That means you're not waiting for it to happen. This has already happened. There's already things on deposit. My goodness. 
Somebody tells me that I have made a deposit into your account, Dennis, and it's just for $100,000. I just wanted you to know it's on deposit in your account. I don't know how you got it in my account, but I like this conversation a lot. I'm not questioning that it's there. You're an honest person. How many of you are honest people? How many of you honestly would love to put $100,000 in Dennis Burke's bank account? All right, we'll be taking names here in just a minute. I'm going to cut this service short. This is already on deposit, and this is a lot greater than a measly $100,000 when he said... Everything that you need for life, godliness, living the way God's designed for you to live, everything has been deposited in us by His divine power. Glory to God. I think you ought to shout over that. Thank you, Jesus. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. As a result of this, all right, so now we're getting down to the details of what this is looking like. As a result of this, He has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that, now watch this, through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience... Here's a word we're going to work on. You can experience partnership with His divine nature. Glory to God. Your old nature is gone, been removed, it's dead, it's out. We don't have a nature of sin, not any longer. We now have the nature of God, God's ways deposited within us a liberty and a freedom so that we have the right to live free, and they are revealed to us through the promises that are in God's Word. And he said, because of those promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature, by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are in the world. There is a nature that's already born in you. It gives you a capacity to escape the nonsense around you. But you have to access this divine nature, don't you? And that's really the war that goes on within every one of us, that continual monitoring of how we're doing it, following this God nature that's born in us, and the pressures that come against us, and even the strongholds, if we've allowed any to remain in the way we handle things. A lot of people have allowed them to remain. But I want to, I want to read the footnotes that's a little bit detailed from the Passion Translation over that word partnership. Because he said that we can experience partnership with the divine nature. That means it's not automatic that you will, but you can. How many of you think that would be cool? To experience partnership with Almighty God. That's our assignment. That's our calling. That's who we are in Christ. But listen to what he says in the footnotes 
about that word. The Greek word koinonios means to participate as a partner, to partake of, to be a companion with, to have fellowship with the divine nature. This is one of the great mysteries of our faith, that God shares His nature with us. We are given birth by the Holy Spirit to be God's true sons and daughters, and every father imparts his DNA and his nature into his children. The Greek word for nature is taken from the word phyros, or phyo, or however the Greeks might pronounce it, which means to give birth, to produce, to bring forth, or to grow up. Christ lives in us and transforms us into His very own likeness. Now you know as well as I do, that transformation, while the nature being imparted to us is instantaneous, the transformation is a journey in progress. And for some, they've stalled out in the early stages of that transformation. They're just happy they're in. Heaven's my home. I'm in. I love Jesus, but I hate certain people a lot. <laughs> or whatever. But you're not like that, of course. You're the Sunday night people, hardcore Christian you. Of course, we're going to have an opportunity for the true hardcore Christians to come tomorrow night. I'm glad you're excited about that. Let me read this again. He said, Christ lives in us and transforms us into His very likeness. In Christ we share with Him the divine nature. We will all bear the image of the man from heaven, Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate destination, isn't it? That while we're born with this divine nature and divine life now within us, the process is ongoing so that you are getting more and more like Jesus so that when an issue comes, you get to ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do? And trust that you've already reflected the right answer. But if not, you've got what it takes in order to see that divine life rise up in an instant of time and provide you with everything you need to deal with the issue, the situation, the threat, the bad report, the lack, the, the strategy Satan's used against you, you do have what it takes. Now, it may take a little bit to get this to really rise up. You may be at the early stages of that particular part of the river where it's going a little slow and you need some explosive bursting forth of power. Does that make sense to you here? But you have what it takes. You just stay on the river. You just stay in the water. You don't quit on it. You don't let compromise set in. You don't let fear set in. And if you have already, then take authority over it and do something about it. And let the shift begin in the name of Jesus. If it doesn't happen in an instant of time, don't get discouraged. Lots of things haven't happened for you in an instant of time. They can end up quite good or quite bad depending on how you take it. That's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. 
God has imparted His DNA. I love that concept. All of the, all of the structure behind the scenes on the smallest of levels in our life now has been rearranged and reordered in our spirit man to reflect the very nature of our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You're not a lost cause. What's come at you is not the end of the story. His nature is the beginning and the end of this story. Glory to God. Growing on the inside of you. You say, yeah, but man, I know people, they died and they, they didn't really have all this. They knew Jesus and they didn't have all this. Well, they got it now. Once I go to heaven, man, don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> oh, I want a few tears shed at my funeral. I really do. I think that would be appropriate. Yeah, we're going to miss him. You know, I'd love the grandkids to gather up and say, oh, aren't we going to miss granddad? How much money did you get? <laughs> okay, a little carnality every once in a while just slips in. But Peter goes on. Let's go back to the Bible. Yes, the pastor says, with a lot of enthusiasm. So let's drop into verse 5, still in the Passion Translation. He goes on and he says, So devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith. Everybody say supplement. You know what that's all about. Some of you take a lot of supplements. I take my fair share. You want to add to what you've got. You want to do a good job with what you take in, but you know you need to add to it. We don't need to go into all of the studies of how little nutrition is in the best of foods. Supplementing is a good idea. He says here, so lavishly, devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness, and to goodness add understanding, and to understanding add strength, of self-control, and to self-control add patient endurance, and to patient endurance add godliness. I mean, this list is getting kind of heavy here. That's getting to be a long list. These are a lot of supplements, but I take a lot of supplements already. So I get this. These are addressing different facets of the kind of pressure Satan wants to use against us. And these are different components of this nature of God that is within us that we need flooding into our soul. We need this, these things in the way we think so that they're not just deposits that are in the river, but that that river is washing through my mind, through my physical brain, and through my body so that what is in me in abundance by the new birth is now having an impact in places where I have need and lack. Does that make sense to you? So he said there's going to be some additions. There's going to be some things that we do. These things don't just happen automatically. You know, we, we have some Christians, they've got this weird idea that when something goes wrong or something they don't understand happens, it's like, well, we don't know why God allowed that. But, you know, he's got a plan. 
Well, there's things that happen that are not part of the plan. God has planned that every person go to heaven, but what we know is not every person will. The reason we remain here and have assignments, each one of us, to do the work that God's called us to do is because God's grace and mercy is being extended to people even in this generation so that none need to miss out on what is available. But here's what we know, a point in time will come when that is going to shift and that end is going to solidify. And thank God, you and me as the body of Christ are going to be out of here. And I know there's other things that will happen as well. And we don't need to go into all the theological concepts that go along with the end times. But you can just be assured of this. You're going to like the way this story goes for you. Glory to God. And from my point of view, the sooner the better. Like before I finish this message tonight. Come on, Jesus. Hallelujah. Is that really the cry of your heart? That's really what's on the inside of us. And as selfish as that might sound, apparently there's a part of that that's okay. Because the bride cries out, come Lord Jesus. Glory to God. I'd just like to ponder that for a while. But he goes on in verse 8. Well, I don't think I finished verse 7. And to godliness add mercy towards your brothers and sisters. Everybody say mercy. Let me read that part again, just because I think it's a good idea that we hear it again. To godliness add mercy toward your brothers and sisters. How many of you have brothers and sisters that you know need mercy? Not just mercy from God. Mercy from you. All right, well, maybe not. These are all issues and parts of this nature of God born in us that are to rise up in the way we function so that we are living out what this divine nature is intended to look like in a human life. So that it's not only hidden on the inside of us through the new birth, but it has actually this river of life that is flowing out of us and it's having an impact in us, but all of these things also are going to have an impact on, well, in this case, brothers and sisters who need mercy. Since these virtues are already planted deep within, and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless, in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. Man, what a promise from God. Hallelujah. But he said, if anyone lacks these things, he's blind. This is pretty easy to understand sort of stuff. Constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith. And forgetting his own innocence. 
for his past sins have been washed away. They've gone blind. They're not seeing things. Not physically blind, you understand, spiritually blind. They don't really see into what is taking place and what God's actually doing because they have pushed away from these aspects of that divine nature having an impact in the way they think, in the way they respond, into the seeds they sow. Not only financial seeds, but seeds of kindness, seeds of love, seeds of the fruit of the Spirit. God took me off into this after I went back through the fruit of the Spirit. I know we talked a little about that this morning, but I'm going to remind you of some of this even now. Galatians 5 and verse 23, still in the Passion Translation, reads this way. And keep this in mind, we're talking about that divine nature. This is more light as to what that divine nature really, really looks like and what the fruit of that nature is when it's functioning from the human spirit. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit within the human spirit. <clears throat> but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you, everybody say within me, within me. is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Gosh, every one of these are like so expandable. You just got to hear this with your innermost being ears so that it has an impact in you because this is so full of life and light and love. He said, let me start it over again. I got myself all excited here. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its various expressions. That includes joy that overflows Peace that subdues. Boy, I just can't get off that. Peace that subdues. There's some kingdoms of darkness, some aspects of the kingdom of darkness that have to be subdued. And I just have a sense on the inside of me right now that the Holy Spirit is reaching right into some people that are right here right now. That there are some things, some anxieties, some troubles, things you hadn't been able to fix, fear over what that's going to look like or what it does look like now. And this terminology just strikes me so powerfully for you. I want you to receive it like a prophetic word from the Lord for you personally. This is peace that subdues. It is a force. This peace, this kind of peace is a force that literally will impose itself onto that troubled situation in your soul. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for that word to come alive in people right here in this audience that this is peace that subdues. Do you get this? That's coming right at you. Not you alone. I know there's others that are receiving, but I know that that is coming right at you, my dear, in the name of Jesus. Peace that subdues. It subdues the fears. It subdues the chaos. It subdues the troubled and even the relationships. 
that in Jesus' name, this is peace that subdues. You understand what that means. It brings it down. It overwhelms it. It subdues it. It brings it into subjection. It, it robs it of its power. This is peace that subdues, conquers, overcomes. Glory to God. What a picture. And that's for anybody that wants it. I like it. I'm going to receive that myself. I think you should too. Glory to God. Say it out loud. I receive. I receive the peace that subdues in Jesus' name. He goes on and describes patience that endures. That's that word long-suffering we worked on this morning. How many of you remember how that went this morning? What's the term that we attach to that being long what? Long-fused. How many of you had your fuse kind of extended some this morning? Yeah, I got a little longer this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Doesn't sound all that spiritual, but man alive, that is really spiritual. Getting a longer fuse just means you get more time when somebody lights your fuse. I could go down that road again tonight. You didn't light the fuse, somebody else did. Maybe it's your brothers and sisters that need all that mercy you were talking about earlier. They lit your fuse. They deserve whatever they get. But thank God, we don't get what we deserve. So because of mercy, we don't want them to get what they deserve. But Dennis, they deserve it. And so do you. Gosh, you guys look holy right now. You just look so exempt from all of these possibilities. But we all know that's just the way it is. He calls it patience that endures. Long-suffering. Suffering long. Distant from wrath. Macrothemia. To be a long way off from the heat. The explosion. Oh, I love this stuff. Forbearance. Patience that endures. But he goes on regarding this fruit that reveals the nature of God that's already in us. Kindness in action. I love the way this translation is, uh, has treated this. It's gentleness in the King James Bible, but there's a facet of this that I think takes it into a real clear picture of what gentleness is intended to look like. It's intended to look like kindness. You know, we need more kindness in the kingdom. Well, I'm glad you're excited about that idea. That just kind of fell over the edge right there. Kindness that is in action. Not inactive, but kindness that goes into action and actually handles situations and people with kindness. Like people at the restaurant that are serving you and it didn't turn out all that well. <laughs> They're just doing a job. They need some kindness. I've watched, I've watched people lose it 
at the airport so many times because the flight gets disrupted or canceled or put off and people have their schedules. We all do. That's why we're going on an airplane. We've got to get somewhere. And then the airline makes some situation occur or something happens and all of the, all of the plans are now threatened and, and some of it can be really extensive and have serious consequences. And so your heart goes out to people that are facing that kind of pressure. But in the end, this is still a time for kindness to prevail, along with long-suffering kicking in. Because in my experience, the airlines have a unique capacity to light my fuse. I don't think they really do it intentionally, but it's amazing how people that are unintentionally successful at lighting a fuse can do this with such liberty. Anyway, don't get me started on that. I wish you hadn't brought it up now. But I've watched people, not me, you'd be proud of me actually in most situations. But I've watched people absolutely lose it at somebody at the desk. And those desk people, you know, they're just doing what they're doing, you know. and They're just doing a job. And they didn't create the problem. They didn't buy your ticket. They didn't plan on you going at this and you taking the last flight available. You did all this. We needed mercy from a guy one time. We were running late. We had an event that we were headed to that started that night. In California, we're in Texas, and we needed to be there when this flight arrived. It gave us enough time to do what we needed to do ahead of time, check in a hotel, get to the event, and everything was going to be cool. But there was, there was traffic on the way to the airport that was stopped. It delayed our arrival. We got there just as it became too late to check our luggage and be able to make the flight that we had planned. Vicki ran inside and she began to negotiate. She began to plead. By the time I got in there with our luggage, she had this guy and she was pleading. And this guy was hammering away on his computer and not looking at her at all. But she was pleading her case. And I mean, there were details that were amazing. And I've been on the other side of that kind of pressure. But this man was handling it with an irritating kind of casualness. But he hammered away and continued hammering away. And she just said, we have got to be here. Man, there are thousands of dollars involved and we need this and we didn't plan this and we didn't do this. And you got to help us. We need your help. And ba, 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 ba. I mean, she was just amazing. <laughs> Suddenly, the guy just looks up and he said, well, he said, you're too late for the flight that you plan to get on, but I've put you on another flight that'll take you into a different airport, but it's the same distance to where you're ultimately going in Southern California. You know, they've got several airports around. So all you need to do is change the car you're your rental car situation, you're going to be able to get there and everything's going to be fine. Oh, thanks. Here, here's our bags. 
Now, we had our fuse lit. It wasn't this guy that did it. It wasn't the airlines that did it. It was somebody on the highway that did it that needed to pay a price, in my opinion. But we didn't have time to help that happen. We had to get to the airport. All right, that didn't sound like mercy at all or even long-suffering, and I know that it really isn't. Well, we got to our event. Kind of went a little different. We intended to check in the hotel. You don't care, but we intended to check in the hotel first and then casually go to the event, and everything would have been cool. Instead, we went straight from the airport to the event, checked into our hotel at about midnight. But it all happened. We got to our event. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Now look, you've had things happen. I've had things happen. We all have our lists. But here's the deal that you got to know. That it requires of us to tap into that divine nature that includes kindness going into action. Vicki didn't raise her voice at this guy. It wasn't his fault. He was working. It didn't look like it. It looked like he was completely disengaged. He didn't let on that he cared one ounce about our dilemma and yet he was solving the problem. Now, it could have gone quite differently. Without kindness, without long-suffering, without some of this kind of stuff, you know, these people can do whatever they want to do. And you may be determining what they want to do without actually realizing it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. He goes on, as well as love having joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action. It is a life full of virtue or goodness and has faith that prevails, has gentleness of heart or meekness. That is not weakness. The Bible describes Moses as the meekest man on earth at that time, but he was no weakling. He was as strong as it gets, and he demonstrated it powerfully. So this divine nature has gentleness of heart, but that is not weakness. And strength of spirit. So he finishes this by saying this, and I'm going to wrap up with this statement, because he says, never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. This nature born inside of you that you have, and I have the capacity to tap at all times, is designed to make you limitless. What a word. When Satan tells you there are limits, he may not use that terminology, but he puts borders around you, he squeezes a situation, or he's reminding you of the lack that's in place or the bad decisions you've made in the past or the whatever it is he's come up with. God's nature born inside of you is designed that you would be limitless. We know that He is. He's only limited by the limits we place on Him. He's not limited in His deal, man. He's doing fine, as I've said. 
But we can place limits on what He's allowed to do. But these actions and these capacities of your innermost being, born in you, this divine nature, is to reveal the limitless nature of God, but also bring that limitless mindset into your own thinking in the name of Jesus. That's what I'm praying for, that there is an impartation in your soul right now, that the Holy Spirit is hovering here just as He came upon Jesus. When Jesus came out of those waters of baptism, He has come on you to rest upon you. Not only is He born in you, but He's come to rest on you so that you can also hear the same words, You are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. He doesn't say that frivolously. And He doesn't say that to just everybody. But people that have tapped into this divine nature and have these qualities of that nature growing, maybe not certainly as grown up as it could be, but as long as there's progress being made, man, that is the plan. Not that we've arrived, but that we are making progress. Progress is success in this kingdom to receive in the name of Jesus. So I want you to stand with me and I want you to receive this. I want you to let that peace that subdues continue to saturate your soul in the name of Jesus. And each one of these qualities of the Spirit of God, Satan's done his best to get people to carry the distractions of the age and the cares of this world. And we're just not going to continue to buy into that kind of thinking in the name of Jesus. We're asking you, Holy Spirit, to help us identify every time those ideas that don't belong in our soul rise up, that we judge them for what they are. They're a strategy to derail us and move us into a detour, and we're not going to take the detours in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Let faith arise in Jesus' name. Let peace arise in Jesus' name. Let the strength of our spirit arise in Jesus' name. Let that gentleness of heart rise up. Say it out loud. Rise up in Jesus' name. Let that kindness in action rise up. Rise up in Jesus' name. Let the joy that overflows rise up. The peace that subdues rise up right now. We lay hold on it in Jesus' name that this positions us for the supernatural. This puts us in agreement with that divine nature born within us. We are in agreement now. We're in agreement with that nature. No longer a sin nature, now the divine nature that is revealed out of our spirit and flows like a river. It may start out slow, it may start out calm, but it has a capacity to become violent in an amazing way. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that there's light and insight and revelation for every one of us to receive this in the highest levels.
in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, help us see the contradictions that we've allowed to remain in our soul and see it in the light of this nature that you've helped us understand today and how we overwhelm and overcome those concepts that have kept blessing blocked. In Jesus' name we receive. Say it out loud, I receive. I came to receive. I have received. And I'm grateful. Go ahead and thank God for it. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So be healed in your body. Be healed in your soul. Be healed in your finances. Be healed in your relationships. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Shoo. Glory to God. Are you glad you came tonight? Did you receive something from the Lord? You said you did. I believe you. Glory to God. Amen. Well, God bless you. Pastor, come right ahead. Thank you.